Hallelujah. It's good to be here. Let us pray. Father, we know you're here with us this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here with us. And just the way you have touched us so far in our worship, we just want to say thank you. This morning, Lord, I just surrender myself to you and I pray that all of us will remove every distraction. Draw us into your presence, O God. And speak directly to our souls and to our spirit into the depth of our being this morning so that your transforming work may continue in us, not only as individuals, but as families, as a church, and as a community, O oh God. Father, we just surrender all to you this morning, and may you continue to minister to us. So as Pastor Scott mentioned, this is our week two in this sermon series dealing with leadership, doctrine, theology, and the, the Bible. When I was asked to speak, um, I looked at 1 Timothy 1, 3 to 4, and then 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. I think I'll just read those scriptures, and then um, we can get into... The, the word. It's quite interesting, though, that Pastor Scott mentioned about the disorientation in, in language. You know, you, you quite, can't quite follow what is going. I, I, I love my brother, Olivier, here, but, and I know he's a man of God, so I can rest comfortably when he's praying. Uh, I don't know what he's saying. But I know he's praying to the same God that we worship. And I'm okay with that. And you have to get okay with certain other things too when people pray and you don't fully understand. But you have to trust God that he's speaking through each of us. So let, let's just read this scripture. First Timothy 1, 3-4. Just to put everything in context. As I urge you, when I went into Macedonia... Stay there in Ephesus. So this is Paul speaking to Timothy, by the way. Stay there in Ephesus so that you may command, command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. These promote controversies rather than God work, God's work, which is by faith. And then just to go to 2 Timothy 316, very familiar scripture, but for those of us who may not be familiar with the scripture, that's why I'm just I'm reading it. Second Timothy three sixteen to seventeen. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in sorry, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So after reading this scripture, I said, Lord, how can we apply this to us? 
I mean, I, I could sit here, Pastor Scott, anybody, and we could talk about theology, we could talk about doctrine, we could get deep, and you know, but then we just get up and walk out of the church, right? We're done. We have learned everything up here. But how can we apply it to New Hope? How can we apply it to our community? And that's where I said, Lord, I really need you to, to lead me on this. And I hope you sort of follow me as I go through. So the first thing I, question I ask myself is, do I really believe that God is building a culturally diverse congregation here at New Hope? Do you believe that? Pastor Scott mentioned language. But as I thought about it a little bit deeper, language is only the tip of the iceberg. It goes much deeper than language. To really understand the people from a different culture demands much more from us. To communicate the gospel to someone from a different culture demands much more from us in terms of or time, depending on the Holy Spirit, to guide us to use the right words, to use the right context and everything, to, to make sure the gospel is shared with that person. So what I'll do is sort of just run through a little introduction which I'm going through now. We look at cultural layers, and that's what I'm talking about. It's a little bit deeper. Right? We talk about theology that is grounded in the Bible. Andrew mentioned that, you know, they, they sang the scriptures. But it's much more than that too, right? It's not only the scriptures. It's about our relationship with God. The evangelical will go off probably understanding that it's all about experience, probably. While there are others, as you mentioned, the Reformed Church and so on, will be into the scriptures. And somehow in our culture, we have a problem hitting that balance. If you look at it, whether it be politics, anything we do, we, we seem to struggle to hit that middle ground. You know the funny thing about this? whole thing of culture and the scriptures, if you look at Christ, is 100% scripture. is 100% living a life in Christ. There is no... They are the same. Christ is the word. There's no distinction between Christ and the word. What Christ is saying and how he lives is very consistent with the word. But somehow we try to separate it. I will be reflecting on biblical views of God and a caution that eternal life comes through a relationship with God in Christ. And then I will conclude. So, are we surrounded also by communities that are culturally diverse. Think about that. When you walk out of this um, church, as you go home, as you stop in the supermarket, do you hear people speaking different languages? Do they look different from you? Do they behave differently? The rapid pace, I believe, of globalization will increase the opportunity for cross-cultural ministry in our daily lives. This will test our doctrines and our theology. What do you really stand for? Are you standing on the word of God? Are you living a life that is consistently in the things of God and experiencing that relationship with God? 
I will try somehow to look at how our Lord Jesus Christ and Peter approach cross-cultural ministry. And I hope I will be able to highlight the importance of Christian theology being grounded in scriptures and not minor opinions or divisiveness. So that's where I'm going. I'm trying to figure out how we can use what Paul was teaching Peter, I mean Timothy, and see how Peter and Christ lived that out. Christ dealt primarily with the Jews. With the same message, Peter had to take that to the Gentiles. Here we are, a diverse church. How did Peter apply that? Also, how as Christians, we are responsible to reflect the biblical view of God to the world. If we believe that human beings are created in God's image, for example, that means they have innate value and we should teach each other, treat each other with respect. One aspect of looking at theology leading to ethics. This is a form of applying what Paul is teaching um, Timothy. How do you apply it? Yes, you can apply your theology to your ethical life, ethical behavior. Some of us might be sitting there going, hmm, you're talking about theology. I think I remember one saying to Pastor Scott, I don't understand this whole thing about theology. <laughs> I literally said that. What is this theology anyway? Because in my head I'm going, I have a relationship with the Lord. I have a relationship with Christ. I read the scriptures. Why do you have to put a word to it? <laughs> you know, it's a relationship. But I suppose for communication, across cultures, you have to have a standard, right? So it is theology. Everyone has opinions and beliefs about God. We may not agree with it, but we all do. The atheists would say there is no God. They still have an opinion about God. You know the funny thing? Opinion is basically out here. Believe it or not, it's probably better to have an argument. Because with an argument, you have to support it with facts. Right? So it's better to have an argument than to have an opinion. But what we, we see every day, people having opinions and sharing their opinions with us and, believe, and sharing it as if it is fact. And some of us, we buy into it. And then we dig a little deeper and say, how, do you, how did you come to that? Why do you say that? Now this is where we dig in, right? And this is what we should do. By the way, Pastor Scott, I got some of this from that little book you gave me. <laughs> but it was helpful. We must dig a little deeper. What we are trying to do is to probe. We are trying to make connections. We are trying to understand. Now, you know, we just have to go a little bit deeper. How we view God is a part of our worldview. How do you view God? How do you view Christ? 
How do you translate that into your daily lives? I strive not to have a distinction between my work life, my home life, my enjoyment life. There's no distinction. Christ in all, through all, at all times. Being very cognizant and aware of the presence of God. That's what I strive for. Do I fall sometimes? Of course. Pastor Scott knows. I told him I get mad sometimes at work when people upset me. Like someone told me, you can't, you can't pray in the name of Jesus. I tell you, I'm still mad. I don't even know they know what they are saying. Probably I should probe them a little bit and say, why do you say that? How do you come up with that? You know. But I didn't because I was afraid I would even get angrier. And then I become Jamaican and start shouting. <laughs> and then the Americans get, what's wrong with them? And then you hear the word, that's interesting. When you hear, the word, <laughs> when you hear that word, that's interesting. When I hear that, I know I'm in trouble. Right? <laughs> in this culture. So cultural layers. <clears throat> I think I probably went through that, those slides, right? Cultural layers. The first one is behavior, right? And that's what we see. People, how they behave, right? Um, if I could probably come up with an example is, you know, we come to church and nobody wants to get up and clap and sing, right? Or very few people want to clap and sing. So initially, I would probably react by saying, what's wrong with these people? You know, why don't we get up and sing and clap and so on, right? But that's just, what should I say, ignorance on my part. I'm not really trying to understand why. I'm just reacting to the fact they are not. Just their behavior, superficial. Perhaps I should stop and say, why don't they? And does it make a difference in terms of where they are in Christ, right? We are from different culture. You're from Congo, you're from Rwanda, you worship different. And even amongst African people, sometimes we, we as Caribbean or Americans, we lump them all together, right? And say, you're from Africa. <laughs> and you expect all Africans to behave the same. Again, showing our ignorance. Right? Or even Hispanic, we do that too. We say because they all speak Spanish, they all behave the same, they, they believe the same, same thing, which is crazy. Even in Jamaica, different parts of Jamaica, we behave differently. And we speak differently. It's the same thing in the church. It's the same thing right here in New Hope. We have to take each person as an individual and we have to get to know them. Values, what is good, best, beautiful? What is our beliefs? And I just touched on this. Belief is a critical thing. It's crucial. Do you know you can have a theoretical belief at the same time it is completely different from your operational belief system? So the way you operate, the way you live, the way you behave, totally different from what you believe theoretically. And you probably say, oh, I don't know about that, Orlando. Yeah, you believe you're a Christian. You believe you should forgive. You believe you should love everybody. And all those sort of good stuff. But how do you really live? How do you really live? And why do you live like that? Where there's a, a disconnect between what we truly believe and how we behave. 
there is a disconnect. And when we reach out cross-culturally amongst ourselves or in different countries, we need to understand that sometimes there's a disconnect because people are afraid of persecution. They not want to embrace it and live it out. People are afraid of embarrassment. There are different reasons why we do that. We don't want to behave in a certain way at work because people are going to sort of look at us strange and say we are weird. Like this doctor, oh, 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 you're the doctor, I can believe in God. What's wrong with you? You should be more academic than that. You should be thinking at a higher level. So be careful. Theoretical belief do not usually affect values or behavior. So that's important to understand that you can hold... So what I'm driving at is you can know the scriptures, you can read the scriptures, you can recite the scriptures. I mean, you can say it backwards, frontwards, you can read it every day. But if it's not affecting your values and your behavior... We have a problem. So the question is, how do we get our values and behavior to transform and be consistent with our our worldview? By the way, what is worldview? You sort of ask questions like, what is real? Is God real? Am I real? Am I here? Am I a figment of your imagination? Right? You sort of ask this question. You think I'm crazy, right? But people ask those questions. What is real? And we should. We should too. Who are we? Why were we created? Where did we come from? A new system of belief can be introduced. But the worldview remains unchallenged, unchanged, so values and behavior reflects the old belief system. So we see it again here, that we can introduce new belief system through the scriptures. As Christians, we come to church every day. And when we're a cross-cultural, a multicultural, multi-ethnic church, that becomes even more challenging. Because there's so many of these layers that we have to go through, and different ethnic groups to figure it out. But let me stop and just let you know that this is of God. If you look in Revelations, you'll see <laughs> that the end result is we'll all be together. Different tongues, different race, races, and nations, people. So God is doing something amongst us. And I hope you get that point. As Andrew mentioned, it's messy. It's challenging. But God is speaking to us. We are unique as a church. We are not Bethel Baptist or whatever. We are a new hope. <laughs> and God is putting us on a path, I believe, of embracing multicultural, multi-ethnic ministry. Pastor Scott didn't ask me to say that, so he may have to talk to me afterwards. Right? <laughs> okay, he said amen, so I'm okay. <clears throat> the deepest layer is our worldview. The level at which life transformation and renewal of the mind takes place. Authentic relationships and spending time together sharing our stories. That's how you affect your worldview. And we'll see how Peter did that. Don Richardson spoke of this as cultural probes. Right? You just, that's from perspective, right? 
we basically start talking to people, relating to people, trying to figure out, make that connection. And that's what we should do with each other. To understand each other is to make connections of God's general revelation to each of us and see how we can tie it into the scriptures as related to us as a church and as a people. So you use these cultural probes to come up with, come up with stories that are biblically um, sound, but based within each person's culture. And then Don went on to talk about redemptive analogies, how you tie that into the scriptures. Behold, the Lamb of God, said John the Baptist, because he knew the Jewish people knew about sacrificing the Lamb, right? For the forgiveness of sin. That's a redemptive analogy. As Moses lifted up the serpent of brass on a pole in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, Jesus said to Nicodemus. That's redemptive analogy. Making that connection in the culture. Christ was speaking mainly to the Jewish people. But he did went cross-culturally a bit just to show the disciples how to do it with the Canaanite woman, with the woman at the well. Here, using redemptive analogy is not about non-biblical opinions and myths, which leads to divisiveness. It's not about false teaching. Didn't touch on that, but false teaching. I mean, think about it. It's teaching things that are not true. It's not the truth. It's not the word of God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the word, says Christ. So Christ is truth. How you view God is a part of your worldview. And ultimately, how you view the world impacts how you live. We tend to believe that our cultures that our culture is sort of superior to all others and is the standard by which all other cultures should be measured. The natural tendency is to judge the behavior of people in other cultures by the values and assumptions of our own. But we need to remember that this is a two-way street. The gospel will challenge and transform aspects of every culture and society that it touches. We need to tell our stories of relationships, of our relationship with God through Christ our Lord and Savior. Peter did that with Cornelius, and I will just at the end just touch on that just to make the connection. Stories connect at the world view level. That's what this is all about. Christ uses them a lot in the parables. Right? To connect at the worldview level. That's how you're going to have transformation. That's how you're going to have renewal of the mind. There are three encounters that are necessary to communicate the gospel at that, that, that deep worldview level. To really make an impact at the worldview level. And the three encounters, encounters of the gospel in communicating the gospels are truth encounter. Must be speaking the truth from the word of God. And that's what Paul was saying to Timothy. We, we have to go there. Two, we must have a relationship. It's a relationship encounter. Not only with God, but with people. Love God, love others. Right? Golden, that's commandment. And we must have a power encounter. That's when Christ went and sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. So when we're sharing the gospel, we have to be mindful of the, these three, the three encounters. 
We need the Holy Spirit to help us to discern when we are being influenced in our thinking, primarily by our cultures, opinions, myths, versus the Word of God. That's so, so important. Let's just quickly move on to the application. How did Peter, how did the Lord sort of address this? And I looked at Matthew 15. Let's just go to Matthew 15. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do you, your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. My, my, my. <laughs> Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your traditions? For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God. He is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Isn't that interesting? What is this tradition of elders? (laughs) So after the Babylonians um, exile, the Jews, the Jewish elders, began to make meticulous rules and regulation governing the daily life of the people. That's what that was. It was an oral tradition being passed down. And now it was taking precedence over the very word of God. And Christ was saying, no. Forget that. That's your tradition. You have made those rules. And you should stick to the word of God. And obey the word of God. So Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. But what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. What was Christ talking about here? Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? (laughs) that's what happens when you stick to the word people get offended do not pray in the name of Jesus you know people get offended but Jesus had to do what God told him to do the father told him to do here's the funny part about this thing here when Peter said to the Lord let me see if we can find it here Peter said explain that parable Lord I love Peter. I think Peter reminds me of myself. (laughs) He does. Are you still so stupid? That's what the Lord said. Oh, he said dull. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then what comes out? And we know what what happens here. What, What Jesus was driving at is, is what is in your mind, is what is in your heart, is what is at your worldview level. That matters. 
Food doesn't defile you. Sin does separate you from God. That's what Christ is running, is driving at. So if you say to me, so what that means, Dr. Thomas, that I shouldn't wash my hands when I eat? I would say, you're a dull. <laughs> of course you should wash your hands, you'll get sick. But that's not what Christ is talking about, but we get then confused, right? You need to wash your hands. But Christ was going way beyond that. He was getting to the worldview level of people. It's not what, it's what comes out of you. Christian theology should be grounded in, in the Bible and not in minor opinions or customs and traditions that only generate divisiveness. People sowing seeds of discord amongst themselves within the church. That's what it does. Stick to the word of God. Secondly, a commitment to obey God's word, knowing you will be criticized and persecuted. And I touched on that with the criticizing Christ. If you look at Acts 10 now, so Peter was in Joppa. And at noon, he decided, you know what? As the Jewish custom is, I'm going to go up on the roof and I'm going to pray. So here Peter is praying. And the Lord sent out this huge um, sheet and started showing him all these animals that were considered unclean. You can read it. Just for the sake of time, I'm just going to sort of preface it a bit. And (laughs) the Lord said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, no, Lord, I can't eat that. That's that's unclean. I'm going to be defiled. Jesus spoke to Peter right here in Matthew 14. But he didn't make the connection. So you understand what I'm saying when I say you can have an operational sort of worldview that is different from the theoretical. That is what was happening with Peter in that moment of struggle. His behavior, it tells me that just before that point, Peter still believed and was behaving as if the Gentiles were defiled. But a key difference though when it comes to the Gentile and to anyone, God said, what I have made clean. And I hope we we note that distinction. You cannot call unclean. So you have to understand that God has to do the transforming work. And it is independent of culture. So Peter realized what was happening. said, okay Lord, I get it. And Cornelius, who is a centurion, his, um, the Lord was speaking to him, devout man of God. I mean, he was a Roman, he was a Gentile, he was following the, um, the, 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 the laws completely of, 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 of Moses. But there was something missing. He did not have the relationship piece, that relationship with Christ. And that was why I believe Peter was sent to speak with Cornelius. All Christians are theologians, believe it or not, because we have an opinion of God. And we are all responsible to reflect a biblical view of God to the world, despite the challenges. Initially, Peter invited the men who came to see him at Joppa into the house, which was against the rules, the law, 
of Moses. But he was prepared to deal with it. And then he went into the house of Cornelius. And he told his story of how he spent time with Christ, what happened. And that's what we need to do. And then the power of God came down on those people. They weren't circumcised. They weren't following the law of Moses. Yet still, they were dragged, Paul, Barnabas, and Peter, before the council in Acts 15, and said, what's going on? Although these people have received Christ, they should still be circumcised, and they should still follow the law of Moses. And he's saying, why? Why do you want to do that? This has nothing to do with cultures and tradition. The Jews should continue doing what they're doing, but the Gentiles, God has shown that they should not be lay burdened down with Jewish traditions and law. So it is very important for us to grasp the whole idea that our theology should be grounded in the Bible, that is true, and that we should live that out in our daily lives. But we also must be careful to understand that eternal life comes through Christ, not the study of scriptures or following Jewish laws and traditions. Studying of the scripture is important. Remember I said that. It's 100% scripture, 100% living out Christ. It is not a, you know, one or the other. It is a combination. It's a connection. In John 17, 3-4, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, this is Christ speaking to the Father, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. But however, in John 5, 37 to 40, he said, Christ said, you diligently, to the Jews who were opposing him at the time, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. That is why Peter had to go to Cornelius so that he can make that shift to embracing Christ, the source of eternal life. He had to make that connection. He went there, he shared the gospel, he shared the story, he made the connection at a worldview level. Not only for Cornelius, but his household and his friends and all who were there. So what can we conclude this morning? That we all have opinions and beliefs about God. But our beliefs about God must be grounded in the scriptures. There is no doubt about that. But it can't be about the scripture alone. As Christians, our lives should always reflect the biblical views of God. We should be living out the scriptures in the flesh every day. There should be no distinction between, as I said, our work, being at church, being out just having fun. We must also remember that life and community transformation occurs when the biblical story or stories are linked to our worldview stories. Thank you.